Welcome! Hello! Guess what? Mm. We're eating pizza. You knew that already. And drinking wine. Yeah. DoorDash went out tonight. So Tara and I went on a lovely little field trip. That was quite an adventure. Yes, it was. I feel it for all the restaurants because it was insane. Orders piled up and everything. Um, I called them and I was like, well, fuck you, DoorDash. I'm getting my pizza. Today I went to another lovely local business, a bakery owned by Tessa's mom. Tessa was on our Puffs episode. She was our Megan. I bought Adam some cherry pies. Yeah, because my birthday is in a few weeks. Not a few weeks. No, it's a few few days. days. Now, when this is posted, it will be past then. But Mm. in case you forgot to wish Adam a happy birthday... When I'll it accept was, it. You can do it now, even if this is like January or something. Send us mm-hmm. wine and Sambuca. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, Sambuca. I have Sambuca upstairs. Oh uh, yeah. When we're done with this. <laughs> Sambuca. Are y'all up for that for the second episode, the next episode? <laughs> us just drinking Sambuca. I don't care what you think. We might do it anyways. We're going to do chapter 13. What is it called? I forgot. Mad-Eye Moody. Yeah. Before we get into that, though... Not even who is the winner and loser yet. We got some owl posts to go through. We do. We don't officially call that owl post. We got we got some feedback. Some we did. I don't know. Name this segment too. It's people talking to us. What yeah. do you want to call that? <laughs> kind of like that. This, yes. this segment is just called people talking. People to talking us. to us. Reach it out to us. Would you like to go first? Why don't you go first? Okay. Demon Oster tag reached out to us. What's up, bitch? My answers to fuck, Mary kill. So this was the first version of the three transportation methods. So he chose to marry brooms because it's the closest thing to Superman bird flight. He said he understands that's a muggleish response, but that's okay. I think maybe I married brooms too because it was like a solid standby. I think I did too. Did I fuck broom? I All know. three of us killed Portkeys. I know that for yeah, sure. Yeah, Portkeys died. Porkies. He says because I'm not interested in touching random objects that may be filthy. Mm-hmm. Sure, Jan, we know how you are. And then he chose to fuck Apparition because it's a wild ride. Your body is in a little danger. I love it. I have Ashley's answer for that, and then we can go back to oh, yeah. the email. So Ashley said she is going to fuck Apparition, marry the broom, and kill the port key. And she said, I want a nice, reliable broom. Then she said... I'll tell Dan he's a nice, reliable broom, which is her <laughs> Dan, if you're listening, you are a nice, reliable broom. And then recently Adam mentioned on one of the episodes, just make sure the cats don't eat my body. She would like to reassure you that uh, the cats probably won't eat your leg. Now, if your lips and eyeballs had splinched, that would be a different story. She says, I recently listened to some books by a pathologist. I learned those always go first. So you don't worry about the cats eating your legs. They go first if I die, though. I guess maybe it would be the same thing. I mean, like, I don't know. If they're just like, oh, here's this leg chilling. I don't know. Time to eat this leg. You're like, you're like, but what if I'm not dead? Like, I'm just flinched. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, that's what she wanted me to let you know. She was very concerned. She wanted that's to good. You. Write back in and tell me if that only applies if I'm dead. Also, last thing from Ashley, she uh, agrees we do not fuck. Oh, wow. Well, <laughs> Ashley, you are correct. <laughs> Congrats. <laughs> you figured it out. <laughs> what else did that bitch She Steven solved the say? riddle. <laughs> Steven actually responded with his ideas for me being a porky. Mm. He called it a porky tronus. One of two things. 
he first said an anti-crystal doorknob because it's flashy and bougie and everyone gets a turn. Let me tell you something. I ain't just some doorknob that anybody can come up and put their hands all over. But I do appreciate that you said it's an anti-crystal one because I love me my crystals. But then his other option was a perfectly ripe lemon because it's a fruit. It's bright and tart and under the right circumstances it can be a sweet tree. Aw. Aw. Although, now I'm like, wait, if I were a fruit, would I really be a lemon? <laughs> Write it and tell us yeah. what fruit would I Wow, be? thanks, Stephen, for making this more complicated. But then he also gave options for your porky, Tronus. <laughs> and his first option was, I think she would also be an hourglass because she often presents one way, but will occasionally flip your perception upside down because she's a Gemini bitch. That's me, <laughs> not Stephen. <laughs> Or maybe a vintage cardigan because she gives great warm hugs. Aww. Why isn't the library open for her? What's the downside to that? Everyone want to wrap her body around them? I give good hugs. No. <laughs> Who won love? Okay. Chapter 12 was kind of not that exciting as far as winner and loser. However, I do have a winner and loser. Wait, what even happened last time? Um, that's them in the Great Hall listening to Dumbledore. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the winner of Chapter 12 is Hermione. This is where she's, like, struck by the knowledge of house elves and everything as far as how they're Hogwarts, and she's instantly on top of it. Also, she seems to be the only person who's concerned that this tournament is mm. killing people. Mm -hmm. Everyone's like, yeah, she's like, uh, there's a death toll? Confused. It's like that scene in the first movie where like everyone's you, like grinning wait, at Dumbledore and Like Harry's you like, might die in that with those woods and everyone's like cool okay. and, and Harry's, Harry's like what the fuck did I get myself into? <laughs> so Hermione wins and the loser of the chapter which we discussed at length in the last episode yes. about this. No it's the sorting hat for being, oh. all, being all rude about Slytherins like come on dude. That's right. You like, did bring that up. Come on, Sorting Hat. You are better than that. I you lost your only you. chapter. Get out of my wine. Right? That's the only chapter you get this book and you Tara's trying to drink my wine. No, it's a cat. No, it's, it's the cat. Me. It was not me. I have my own. That's good. I like it. <clears throat> I hope that you guys don't mind the sounds of us eating pizza because we're going to do it. Because we went on an adventure and it's late. We earned the pizza. That's right. Okay. Let's see here. Time to read a thing. Here we go. Chapter 13, Mad-Eye Moody. First day of school. Hooray. Herbology, care of magical creatures, divination, not so bad for a first day. They get to deal with pus in herbology, followed by the introduction of blasted and scroots in care of magical creatures. Honestly, not a great start of the day for the Gryffindors. But then the day gets even more fun with double divination, Adam's favorite. Ron and Harry's, not so much. Anyway, Harry almost falls asleep. Then he is super sassy with Trelawney because she guesses his birthday wrong. Later, Ron earns the class all the homework for being an idiot and a pervert. First day of school is still not fantastic for the boys. For the record, Hermione got through her afternoon without homework, which he may have actually been disappointed about because she's Hermione. But nobody has much time to think about that because fucking Draco is back to run his mouth about Ron's dad. But then the most amazing thing happens. Mad-Eye Moody turns the little bastard into a fucking ferret. It's hilarious and glorious and then it's sadly stopped by McGut. She says something like, how you shouldn't use transfiguration to punish students and blah blah blah. That's my McGonagall. I like it. Uh, but seriously, I think she secretly would have also loved to transfigure that little fucker into a rodent. Rodent. A rodent? That, you didn't write that. That was my voice. 
into a rodent and bounce him around the castle. And like Ron, we all wish we could capture that vision in our heads forever. Malfoy the Amazing Bouncing Ferret. Yay. That sounds like a Disney movie. <laughs> Alright, so we open up. They're sitting at breakfast. Hermione's eating food. And they're like, what the hell? Ron's kind of a sass about it. Not eating isn't working, so... She's also great. Ron is mad about divination. She's like, who should have given it up like me? She's like, That's right, it's an elective. She's like sailing into this new year like, here we go. Oh, I don't have to deal with that bitch. Although I will say, I still, uh, I've already said this on this podcast, but I still feel like divination is the foundation of magic. I mean, I see that. But it's not for Hermione. It's not for Hermione. And also Hogwarts it's... curriculum is backwards. Like if that's the case, maybe they should be learning that instead of... Charms, let's say. I mean, I feel like charms is probably something that they always. Or maybe transfiguration. Yeah, transfiguration feels like it's really advanced Mm -hmm. from day one. To me, potions, herbology, and divination seem more like level one shit. Yeah, I would put charms there too. I guess I'm just thinking of like witchcraft in the real world, but I mean, to an extent, I guess there's. But that would be the only class out of those four that would have wand work. Yeah, that's true. So it's like intro to wands. Yeah. Yeah, we should clearly be the ones that create the Hogwarts curriculum because mm-hmm. we know our things. We're Apparently so more than the author did. And then mail comes. Mail comes and Harry does not get a letter from Sirius. But don't worry, Neville gets a letter and a package from his grand. Yes. Because he forgets shit. Also, Draco gets stuff. Of course he does. He gets like a little care package. Like he's been gone for fucking 24 hours. Uh-huh. Good Lord. But also like it is kind of important to start bringing Neville back up. Uh, Tara is just quivering with joy I'm so as she stoked. hears me say that. We get some good Neville time uh, in this book. Yeah, it starts more in the next chapter, but like it's important. more and more important. It's to bring important him up. to bring him up in this chapter. Then they go to herbology. Basically, class is Sprout having them do her gardening work for them. Yep. Listen, Sprout knows what's up. She's like, I can teach you while also using you. Yep, that's right. Unpaid labor. Yeah. Squeeze my plants. Squeeze my plants. She's also very sassy in this lesson. I feel like Sprout doesn't give a shit. When Seamus is like, ew, pus, she's like, yes, it's pus, deal with it. And then later on, she's talking about how Eloise Midgen is kind of foolish. I always like when they mention these other random names mm-hmm. that we've never like heard of. I always think back to Olive Hornby as well, Uh huh. who's the one who bullied Myrtle to death. Oh. So this one also really jumped out to me, and I'm like, oh, poor girl. Stupid, perhaps, but also right. a poor girl. She got, what, rid of her lips or her eyebrows or something? She, um... <gasps> Maybe a cat ate them. Up. Oh, my God. A cat God. ate them, cat, A cat ate her nose. Hannah Abbott was talking about it. She tried to curse hers off, and then Professor Sprout said, Madame Pomfrey fixed her nose back on in the end. Yeah, that's right. Quen Pomfrey <clears throat> and Quen Sprout always working together. They are the best. Mm-hmm. But you know that Sprout is like in the corner being like, I would get this like sweater done. She's knitting and stuff. She's like, squeeze those tubes a little bit harder, but be careful. I don't want you curtain my tubes. <laughs> She's great. Yeah. So then they have to go from squeezing pus out of a plant all day to fucking going and dealing with these... Blast-engine Yeah, they're shitting out fire on their hands. 
I love Hagrid, but him as a teacher is suspect from the very first moment it happens. Mm -hmm. Again, like, what are they learning? And, like, I did not give Draco points for this because even if I did, he would lo have lost them later in this chapter. <clears throat> Draco is 100% right is, in this. Yes! What are the fuck are good for these? And Hagrid's like, oh, I'll tell you next time. Now you're just feeding them. I laugh out loud at his response when he was, like, something along the lines of, well, I certainly see why we want to keep them alive or something yeah. like that. You're like, yeah, that's kind of it's funny. It's totally true. And, like, Hermione is trying to make up some reason. Hermione of like, is so great in this chapter. Yeah. I don't even remember if we ever do learn the actual, like, reason for West End and Scroots. We don't. That's unfair to West End and Scroots. Like, they're creatures. They live yeah. because they live. But you would think that they're being taught because there's some sort of... Yeah, but here, benefit. if, like, Newt's commander were teaching this class, I feel like he would be like, we don't need to teach West End and Scroots because they don't have a purpose or he would know what the purpose is mm -hmm. before deciding to teach them rather than Hagrid who's like here's something new I want to discover it mm -hmm. which I don't really hold against him as a person and lover of magical creatures yeah. but as a professor of magical creatures I do bingo like everything that you said was like <clears throat> on the money because yeah I mean like are these even creatures that they're gonna encounter out in the wild probably not I love that you pointed this out I mean it's very apparent in the text too but like the fact that they have these back-to-back -back classes where they're almost like doing chores instead mm -hmm. of learning anything I'm sure that in herbology they are learning like I'm sure mm -hmm. she's teaching mm -hmm. the properties and, you know, this is probably helping them learn different types of methods of caring for plants that have these kind of magical abilities. We always want to joke around about that, but obviously we don't spend the whole time with them. So I'm sure she's teaching them something, but it is kind of funny because it does feel like work mm. versus learning. I think you're right. I have more faith in Sprout's teaching methods than yeah. I do Hagrid's for sure. Right. I mean, Hagrid definitely has good intentions. He has no guidance. He has no idea what he's doing. And that's just our Hagrid. That's who he is. Mm -hmm. I think that after at least three books now, we've gotten to that point where it's like, this is Hagrid. We know how he operates. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, I really just appreciate how Hermione handles it with Draco. Like Hermione is very opinionated and she's very smart and she's usually right and in this circumstance i just love how she's so real how she handles it she's like no draco fucking stop and then she says to ron and harry she's like actually um he's right i just don't want to yeah. deal with him i think it's even more not so that she's like so smart in this moment it's just an effortless <laughs> she's, distraction she's great at that yeah she has the ability to when she's on and there are times where she's not on but like she has the ability to navigate a situation like this mm -hmm. So that it's best for everyone involved. We see the boys to some degree do that at certain points in the series. Like how Ron does know how to navigate through the wizarding world. And Harry has some good intuition. In this moment, I feel like he would be like, would you just fucking leave him alone? Mouthful, you know? And Ron is just not really following anything there. Like if you and I went to go see a play because we had a friend in it and we were like, yeah, it was great. We're lying to their face. Maybe we think they're great, but the play was terrible. We're gonna wait till we get in the fucking car to be like, God, that was fucking bad. So I was clearly very connected to her and relatable in that moment. Yeah, she does it in such a really great persuasive way. And it's not what you expect from Hermione mm -hmm. to go that far. We haven't talked about growth in a hot minute, so while we're on the subject, she fucking did the <laughs> fake watch I cat. have a watch, but it's on this hand. So she even checked the <laughs> wrong wrist for her fake watch. Look, it has a cat on it. I know, we already talked about this. We had, uh, it was the opener to another episode. Do you remember? 
No, I literally just put the cat on this. You re-listen to our last two episodes, you will hear you talk, oh, look at my cat. I remember this. No, I literally just put this on, like, in the last two weeks. I know. It was probably, like, the day of, because we had this conversation. Oh, did we? It must have been the last time we recorded. Okay, we'll delete all that. I'll be the judge of if I need to delete all that. No one needs to hear me talk. It's fine. You're a co-host on this podcast. (laughs) They come here for you, not for me. You're the charming one, and I'm the other one that's kind of a bitch. I, too, am a bitch. Yeah. Speaking of. Yeah. Speaking of qualities of the trio, <laughs> it's interesting how we kind of, like, observe how Hermione grows into certain things and how Ron grows into certain things. Because Harry is obviously at the forefront, so mm-hmm. that is just a part of the story. Because this is some pretty, like, high-level shit for, like, a what, 14, 14? now? Mm-hmm. I had mentioned, I think, at the Quidditch World Cup, how Ron is so quick to kind of be like social warrior where they're torturing the Roberts's. Yeah. And he's just like, that's fucked up, man. I, it just seems so out of character for Ron based on how we've seen him in the last few books. Is a little bit more like cowardly and a little bit more hesitant to stand up. But I think that in this book, we will start to see some of that turn. I think it looks a little bit more of just like teenagery angst. Well, I think Harry and Hermione are a different story. Ron is learning to come into himself and have his own opinions. And I think that him seeing the Roberts as being tortured and treated like that, I think it's knee jerk. I don't think that it's Ron being all like social warrior. I think he's literally being like, that is wrong. But he's also very limited because he was raised in the wizarding world. So the way he reacts to how they talk about house elves is a different story. But like seeing muggles, who he's probably not really seen muggles much, if at all. I think it's probably fair. You know, Hermione's always chosen to just be ahead of everything. and You know, that's just who she is and that's what her instincts are telling Mm. her. And Harry was kind of forced into it. I'm looking for areas where we see some sort of shift happen with Ron. I do sort of feel like it's got to happen in this book. I mean, it does, I think. There's so much that happens in book five that we know that Ron kind of has some of his, like, adolescent tantrum moments in this book, too, coming up. I don't know. I'm just trying to see a little bit more Mm -hmm. of where that transformation happens. Whereas with Hermione, it is a lot more consistent. It was just a really nice interaction between friends that I felt to be so relatable that that's something that we would do. There's this like passion that is kind of in the background with her. And in the next chapter, we learn that she has been working on this kind of side project that she's clearly has so much interest in promoting. So I think that also is kind of like a driving force behind some of this too. Mm -hmm. that, That helps her kind of like come out of her show. So after this moment, then we go to divination. Here we go. I really appreciate Trelawney in this moment because in the past she has been really kind of depicted as a fraud and somebody who's a little bit overly dramatic and stuff. And we get a little bit of that here. They even kind of mention it. However, she is actually lecturing. This is the first actual like typical classroom interaction that they've received all day. So she's really the one who's doing her job the most, I think, between the three of them. Sorry, Sprout, you're still a Quinn, but I just liked that shift of them going through both of these classes where it's more hands-on, first classes of the frickin' school year, and then, like, yes, it might be boring, in this instance, Tehran, especially, mm-hmm. well, or Harry's the one who falls asleep. I think Harry falls asleep because of the atmosphere. 
Mm. Because that becomes kind of a trend with him. Yeah, and it's kind of, you know, it smells nice. It's nice and warm and cozy. Mm -hmm. Speaking of relatable, I mean, I remember... I'm never someone who's fallen asleep in class a lot. Intro to Fiction was one course in college that I definitely was feeling the same way that Harry is <laughs> in Divination. But it, she's, like, doing her job. I mean, it, it's kind of a weird way to champion that. It's like, oh, you're doing a lecture and students are sleeping, falling asleep in your class. Some of the stuff that she talks about, also to a degree, when she does approach Harry about, like, the planets and everything, it has a little bit of weight to it. it cue the music. So hold on, before you get to that, because it's something I want you to think about in the future, all the things, the predictions and stuff she, I, uh, I think the thing I have that you're too. dreading, that I fear that that may come sooner than you think. When she's made her predictions and stuff before and they were like, oh, they actually did come true in some kind of way, like the whole thing about the rabbit and stuff in the last book, as we go through the next couple chapters, will you help me figure out what this could be pertaining to? Yeah. I don't believe it's a goblet of fire and it's not serious. But that's the thing Harry is fearing. But I think there's probably something else in this book that I'm just not thinking well, about. I think to a degree it may be serious. Because here's the thing with divination as a whole. It is like, I can't remember if this is the class that I've mentioned in the past, but it's a humanity. It's up for interpretation. When I'm reading tarot cards, based on how cards come up and what other cards are there, mm -hmm. like, for example, like, the death card does not mean death. The death card means change of some sort. Okay. So perhaps it could literally mean death if that is kind of what you're seeing in the spread. Or perhaps it can mean the death of a habit. Or something else is coming around where something is ending, but then that means something new is beginning. So I think it could very well have been Sirius's letter, because it's something that he's worrying about in that moment. And okay. that is truly the only thing he's worrying about at this moment. Right, that's why I was like, that interpretation doesn't match at all mm -hmm. what's going on with Sirius. Oh, but I don't know how this works. Mm -hmm. That's why I was like, oh, help me think about this. On a bigger scale, it could be a scar hurting. We know how that yeah, works Yeah, that's out. true. So, so, okay. On a more literal scale, I think it could be that. When I read it, I thought it was Sirius's letter too. Because when he gets the letter back from Hedwig, and we'll, of course, talk about this more in the next episode, it's, okay, he got a response, but it's not the response mm -hmm. necessarily that he was hoping for. Okay. And so a lot of this stuff, I think of, like, the be careful of what you wish for. Okay. Sort of, sort of stuff. That's fun. But then even more than that, you know, this is why this kind of class doesn't work well for Hermione, or really any of them, even though... I still do think there are a lot of moments, and even when they're putting their chart together, again, that's in the next episode, there is an extent to some real intuition there. Mm -hmm. Both of them, yeah. I think. Yeah. I think so, too. We did kind of, like, critique Trelawney in the last book about how she was saying, well, either you have it or you don't. But, like, you, to an extent, have to be open-minded about mm -hmm. it. You can't just, like, go into it and... It's not a textbook thing because you have to be able to interpret some of this stuff. Well, and I wonder when the next books, maybe they're owls and Harry and Ron both terrible on them. Part of that I feel like is it's more about the work you put into it, not being right or wrong. Yeah. I mean, that's what makes sense to me. Like if I were taking the class and I don't know that I would necessarily like click with any of the stuff, but 
doing the work to try to understand and try to get something out of it, I think would be the goal. Yeah. I mean, something else that I've said over and over again, like in every single situation, and perhaps this is still like the most calm situation they've had at Hogwarts right now, since we're not into Triversor Tournament stuff yet. Right. We're only 200 pages <clears throat> into the book, so yeah. everything, anything can happen. <laughs> Concentration is so important with divination too. Like they really should be taking a lot more time to clear their mind before they focus on some of the stuff, which is not the approach that they're taking. You know, we don't see Trelawney's entire lecture or anything in these books, but I would think that perhaps some of the things that she's talking about is that you do need to take a different approach with this stuff rather than it being very cut and dry like Potions is, for example, which of course we learn in the sixth book is a textbook discipline. We also learn that it's not as cut and dry as we think it is. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And that it, it is a little bit more flexible, which okay. when we get to talk about that in talking about like herbs and intentions and stuff, I'm going to have even more to talk about. Anyways, a few of the things that she actually mentions once Harry wakes up, they hold some water. So, for example, she says something about his ruling planet being Saturn. Then she says something about being born in midwinter. So I think probably what she was assuming is that he was a Capricorn, because Capricorn is ruled by Saturn. Mm -hmm. Do you know off the top of your head what Voldemort's birthday is? December 31st. So he would totally be a Capricorn. Yeah, I think that's like a fan theory somewhere. Because... Yeah. I think to an extent that's what's going on here, because mm -hmm. everything else she says kind of lines up. All the planets have like different personalities as well. So for example, as a Sagittarius, my ruling planet is Jupiter. Mm -hmm. And Jupiter is the planet of positivity. Sagittarius's are typically very, very optimistic and freedom-loving and everything. I mean, depending on the day, you could say that I am somewhat optimistic. <laughs> but the ruling planet of the sign kind of indicates sometimes the personality of the particular sign. So Capricorn's ruling planet is Saturn, and Saturn and Jupiter are opposites of one another. Saturn has a lot to do with more, like, negativity and, like, strictness and stuff. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense for Voldemort, but also when she's talking about, like, a negative influence, it is a negative influence on his life. Just meaning, a bit. Yeah. <laughs> So it's even more of like a triple meaning here than just like, oh, she was alluding to the fucking piece of Voldemort in the head. In that Voldemort's Capricorn, he's ruled by Saturn. It has to do with negativity. It's a negative influence literally on Harry. Mm -hmm. So that all completely holds water there. But also, it doesn't just have to do with your sun sign. I'm sure I've mentioned CoStar on here in the past. I think I probably did in one of the last few episodes. But that's where you can see your entire birth chart. So, like, if they had CoStar, then they wouldn't have to do all this homework. They could just well, maybe maybe they do in astronomy. Maybe that's uh, a wizard equivalent. That's I wish we could see the astronomy. Classes. Me too. That's Professor Sinistra. Vector. Sinistra. Oh, Sinistra. Vector is uh yeah Sinistra. Sinistra. Yeah. Yeah. I always get those two confused. But yeah, Sinastra and Trelawney have got to be like buddies. I feel like they have to be. If they're not, Sinastra's like, I ain't got time for this bitch. Yeah, or like <laughs> maybe Sinastra even wants Trelawney's job or something. Like, who knows? Hogwarts is just full of everyone wanting each other's yeah, jobs. Exactly. <laughs> the, I just saw a fan theory about, and I don't even think this was a theory. I think it was just like the history of Trelawney. It was like during the first wizard war, Trelawney was like in a vulnerable position. And so Dumbledore kind of hired her to like, keep her safe. That is totally explained by Dumbledore 
in the sixth book. Another thing that we lose from the movies. Awesome. It would be interesting because then, ugh, I mean, now we're like just spitting off into fan theories all over the place. But then it makes me wonder, okay, is, did Sinatra come after Trelawney? And then did... Has she always been kind of vying for the divination job? I mean, that's a fun little side yeah. thing. Yeah, and then how does she feel, like, when Ferenz comes in later? Right. And yeah, or she doesn't care, or, like, we didn't develop her. Oh, Honestly, oh. everyone should want Madame Pooch's job, because it's clearly easy. Yeah, seriously. You don't get to do fucking anything. <laughs> so, anyways, that's my little, like, sidestep there. Love but, it. yeah, there's a lot more into what she actually says that makes a lot more sense. So, speaking of planets... Then Ron needs to make a dirty joke. I hate this joke. Me I too. Hate, I just hate it. Ugh. Not only that, you say that now, Ron, in the next book, you're going to wish that you didn't say this to her because she's going to want to be all up in your anus, too. So, just saying. So then they go back to lunch. I think it's lunch or dinner. Meals dinner. were weird in this these chapters. They go to dinner. This is where they see the Daily Prophet article. Actually, Draco brings it up. Yeah, so they're on their way to dinner, I think. And then Draco's like, here I am to be a bitch. That's right. Remember earlier when I made a good point? Erased. He brings up Rita's article. Which is not a great article. No. And it's also kind of lander, and this is not good. She does do smart work with the stuff after the Quidditch World Cup. But here, there's no purpose to this. Other than to be a jackass. Also, if Arthur hadn't gone, he didn't get the ministry involved. It happened regardless of whether or not a ministry official came to hopefully clear things up versus no one being there and who knows what happened. Obviously, we learn later what really happened in that moment. But from the outsiders, it would be bad if the ministry hadn't come to help sort out a situation that involved muggle policemen. Yeah. This is literally just slander, and it, she sounds like a fucking idiot. Yeah. You make a good point. I didn't even see this as slander. I saw this more as lazy and just sloppy. Well, also that. It's complete not doing your work. Beforehand, yeah, she had some gossip in there, but I think that she, there was a little bit more, like, authenticity to her writing. This focus on this story is not on the actual story of what happened with the dustbins. No. It's more so about a ministry official going to take a look at them. It's more discrediting of the ministry. It is. Goal. Whereas, like, the story here is like, okay, what actually happened with the dustbins? Like, I feel like this is something that would be in a police blotter, for example. Not necessarily, like, a whole story where she can just be sloppy and, like, call something out that doesn't yeah. require a story. I obviously don't know how the Daily Prophet is run, but, like, is the editor doling out these stories and stuff? What purpose does this serve? Yeah. The purpose should be, hey, there was this instance where Mad-Eye Moody went a little bit crazy and like started shooting off his wand and the dustbins got in the way. But it isn't that. That's not the angle that was taken. The angle was literally about discrediting mm -hmm. the ministry. And that's her goal here, I guess. I'm not sure if this was just more of the author trying to insert her into the story again prior to her entrance after the mm -hmm. Triwizard Tournament begins. Yeah. That's maybe it. It's very inconsistent, you know. I think so, too. It's bad overall. It does you know, obviously provide us a, a great springboard for... That's exactly what I was just saying. ...for what's say. happening. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, to me, that's what this is. Yeah, so this gives Draco the 
ammunition to talk about his parents. He size shames his mom. His mom isn't even a part of this. Like, yes, he talks shit about his dad, but then brings in his mom. And so then Harry sticks up for him and talks about his mom. Which is really dirty and low, it but is, also it's you're also like, a schoolyard thing. It's, like, I feel right. like it's something that kids these days. You ages also just kind of do. I feel like at this point you're like, yeah, but I'm gonna root for Harry on this. One, this is not what he normally does. It's not like he's a bully too. Mm-hmm. This is just him trying to play at Malfoy's game. Yeah. I, it's the total thing of like you can spit it but you can't catch it. Mm-hmm. At this point now, Harry has seen his mother, so yeah. it's like, oh, now I got you too. Like Right. Also his comeback is pretty and clever. I mean, and it's kind of true. Like, that's exactly how she was described. Yeah. When they saw her at the cup, it totally makes sense. But then, of course, fucking Draco can't take it, so he gets his wand out. It's real pathetic. So this happens in the entrance hall on their way to the Great Hall. So this doesn't even happen outside. And Malfoy just, out of nowhere, some words get thrown at him. And he's like, oh, no, bitch, yeah. here like, I come he with my wand. he just can't take it, yeah. So he gets out his wand, but Moody gets out his wand faster. Or in the movie, which, of course, we will have plenty of words on. Mm-hmm. He doesn't use his wand. He just like points and is like, you're a ferret, bitch. And turns him into the ferret. While this is a wonderful moment, and I do agree with the end of your thing as well as with Ron, it's like, this is a really, really nice moment for them too. Yeah. The main thing that I thought about during this whole interaction was this is Barty Crouch Jr. It is. Why? Why did he come out and do this? Like, the only thing I can think of, at least, is that he's trying to increase his favoritism with Harry. I think you're right on the nose with that. Mm -hmm. A lot of how Roddy Crouch Jr. as Maddie Moody behaves in this book is really fascinating. You know, he talks about how I would talk to Snape and whatever. Mad Eye Moody's history with Snape is obviously much different than Barty Crouch Jr.'s history with Snape, so that's kind of an interesting thing to look back at. I'll say this probably several more times in this book. Barty Crouch Jr. is too smart of a mm. henchman for Voldemort. Yeah, you've said I this already too. Is... This and the next chapter, both there were moments where I was like, man, he is really good at this. And it's also not so much that he's so smart. I think that there's a part of him, because otherwise I don't follow his reasoning behind some of the stuff that happens, particularly in his lessons with the students. I don't see how that is helpful to his ultimate goal of being Voldemort's BFF and taking down Harry. I think that there's something more to Barty Crouch. You I know, think I know what you might He survived Azkaban. To. Yeah. He got himself out of Azkaban, obviously with the help of his father and all of that, but he was able to over... I mean, we all... We learn this at the end of the book, but him in this book is not even what's fascinating. It's his actual journey prior and his Death Eater life and all of that. I am fascinated by what his motivation would be because I don't ever understand his purpose of trying to teach Harry how to fight off the Imperious Curse, which happens several chapters down the road. Yeah. Going back and reading it, getting to this point where, like you said, this is part of him winning Harry over. I just think about all this other stuff that he does. It's going to be really interesting to look at this because um, when it comes to like assigning points too, I had like a bit of a struggle for the first time because I was like, wait, who, who's getting these points? We'll get there. But I'm really zeroing in on every single interaction that he does because you bring up talking to Snape. There's a couple other things here too, like mentioning Lucius. Oh, yeah. 
And, same thing. And I think that's the same thing. It's kind of like the smoke and mirrors thing of like how he's interacting with Harry and Draco. He's going in and saying, okay, like even though I'm to an extent on the same team as Lucius Malfoy, I cannot be on the same side as Draco at all. So it's completely like strategy. That's more for Harry's benefit because again, we learned at the end of the book that he has no love for Lucius Malfoy. Mm-hmm. God, that'll be an amazing yeah. shot. I mean, the other then big thing is like, even like the twins saying like, wow, Moody really knows stuff. But like, of course, Barty Crouchwood knows this stuff too. Yeah. So like, he is very apt to be able to portray Moody in this case too, from the other side. Barty Crouch Jr. totally did his homework and it's already apparent here. That's right now is maybe the thing I'm even most excited about and mm-hmm. looking at. Obviously I talked about divination ad nauseum. Some of that stuff is going to be really fun for me to look at, but from like an actual textual standpoint, what Moody does is going to be really, really cool to follow along with. I love how Hermione is. She's so practical and she's like, well, he could have hurt Draco. And you're like, come on, Hermione, you were doing so well earlier. <laughs> but really, I mean, yes, she and McGonagall are right. But I still think McGonagall secretly probably would love to. Oh, 100. She's just like, well, I value my job. What would you turn Draco into if you had the chance? Mm, a slug. Oh, would you want to bust that slug? Oh, bust that slug. Poor Kevin. Rip. Kevin's not the one that died. It was I said slug. rip his slug. <laughs> rip Kevin's slug. You meant rip. You did not say rip his slug. You just said rip. I did. Rip to his slug. You know what I would turn Draco into? A crystal doorknob. <laughs> Fuck, Mary kill. Bobo tubers. Blast-ended scroots. And birth charts, the three things that they study in these three classes. God, ugh. Oh, come on. Not all of them deserve that. (laughs) Oh, no, I'm gonna marry birth charts. Oh, hell yeah! Yeah, that's the easy one. So, obviously my birthday is coming up, and I have my own, like, things planned to celebrate it, but I totally want to get a tattoo at some point. Very soon, and it's going to be my actual birth chart. That's that's the first one I want. Now that I have a tattoo, I'm just like, do do you want to come with me and get one? They probably won't let me because they do like oh, because people. Yeah, Yeah. that's true. Fuck. I mean, mine mine's really small, but yeah, maybe that isn't the best time because I needles are scary, and we're in the middle of fuck Mary kill. But (laughs) anyway, like yeah, fuck yes, birth chart. Birth chart, gonna marry. No one is shocked about my answer. And I'm not really shocked about yours either, because the other two options suck. They really do. And honestly, I don't really know which... Well, I think I know what, what my answers are. Would you like me to go first this yes, time? Yes, I would. We haven't actually done this before. Usually you go first. Oh, but yeah. I'm going to marry the birth charts for sure, obvious. I am going to fuck the pus plans. Because okay. there's at least some sort of benefit to them. Like, we learned that clearly here. I don't know why Blast of Scrooge exist either. I do agree with Draco in this instance like what the fuck why are we learning about this (laughs) so those motherfucking fire lobsters can die that's kind of the direction i was moving in Mm -hmm. i think that's also my answer as well yeah i think that is kind of the obvious one part of this fuck mary kill was really exciting to me because i'm like ooh, time to use like a divination tactic and like Mm -hmm. now if we were to say something like birth charts tarot cards and tea leaves. Oh, well, you should say that one. Well, it doesn't really pertain to the chapter, but my answer for sure is those tea leaves are dying because I don't understand tassiography. When I drink my tea, I strain it. I don't care about the leaves. 
I feel like drinking tea when you have like a stray leaf in there is kind of nasty anyways. And I'm goddamn marrying the tarot. You better fucking believe that. So in that case, I'm fucking the birth charts because it's still cool as hell. But yeah. All right. I probably would say the same thing. Yeah, as I learn more and more about astrology too, it really does get so, so fascinating to me. Like, yeah, I just love it. I really like how authentic a lot of it was in this chapter. Now, speaking of enjoying things, shall we talk about the movie? Oh, the movie. This movie is a fucking mess. In case you haven't heard us mention that before. Not just from content, but from the order of things happening. From this point forward, doing this podcast, we were able to watch the... We watched probably about 20 plus minutes worth of the movie. We in this case, some things. Yeah. we've never had to skip before though. Like no. every other episode we've done, we're almost to, well, by the end by the end of this book, we're going to get to 100 episodes. So right now we're at, I don't know, almost 80. I think so. We have never had to search as much as we did in this fucking movie. Yeah. So the part of this chapter that's in the movie is the part where Moody turns... Draco into a ferret, mm -hmm. which happens considerably later in the storyline in the movie. Yes. This happens actually after the whole Goblet of Fire ceremony. Harry's name has already been picked. Harry um, already knows about the dragons. Yes. Everyone in the school, at least the Hogwarts students, are fucking pissed and they've got their Potter Stinks badges on. It's outside. And Harry just happens to pass Draco hanging out on a tree trying to be Cedric because Cedric's the one that we already established is the one that climbs tree in these books. Right. That's Cedric's thing. And he's likable. And he's a Hufflepuff and he loves plants. So why, why aren't you out. popping out of Also, the you know he had to like Wingardium Leviosa himself into that Yeah, he tree. couldn't do that by he himself. He didn't climb it. Or he was like, hey, Fuck you, Draco. beefy motherfuckers that I'm friends with, lift me up in here. <laughs> How do you feel that that was handled, though? Um, there are two things. I feel like in the movie, to an extent, it's handled in a little bit more of a natural way from what we already know. In the book, it's using Rita Skeeter again to bring up an opportunity for Draco. Everything that's happening around in this scene is that people are poking fun at Potter, not happy that he got chosen, and they think that he cheated or whatever. Yeah. So there's a lot of, like, negativity happening in this entire scene. Yeah, it's just more negative bullshit falling down on Harry. Yeah. Because all of that is happening, and, like, Draco feeding off of that and saying... Something about, like, um, me and my dad have a a wager of, like, how far you're going to get into the fucking tournament. Harry, of course, sticks up for himself in this instance instead of Ron. But it's the same sort of thing. It's him putting his parent down. And then Moody comes out and zaps Draco with his finger and not with his wand once again. But then it kind of divulges in the same sort of yeah. way. As a scene in the movie, it's enjoyable to me. I like it in the context of the book because... Then they get this precursor to working with Moody. That being said, I agree with the natural progression of mm -hmm. it. I just feel like this whole scene revolves around Harry just being shit on by a bunch of people. Mm. And Cedric kind of being like a, a, a light. Yeah. yeah, like a beacon of light in that. But it's okay because there's also Draco to try to bring that back down. But don't worry because here comes Moody. The actor who plays Moody is funny. Like he's very funny in the scene. The interaction between him and Maggie Smith when she's like, Truly, Dumbledore mentioned that we don't use transfiguration and he does like that kind of like a pouty face, like you might have mentioned it. 
I think that's hilarious. And it does progress nicely into the next part of the scene with Harry. In the movie, I agree. In the way that the actor portrays movie too, I think it fits better. I have a feeling that if it were a little bit more true to the book, because e even at this point, I feel like we get almost a strict sort of thing uh, from how Moody operates. Oh, she's you, an alcoholic. You can't drink that wine either. I'm sorry. Oh, you yeah. just broke her little heart. In the book, I feel like he is a little bit more strict and a little bit more of a hard ass too. Mm -hmm. It is a little bit more authentic of Barty Crouch Jr. portraying Moody in this way. Yes. I think in the movie, the way that they portray Barty Crouch Jr. coming through Moody a little bit better. They make Moody too suspicious at some points in the movie. Mm. I don't know if that's like a, a choice of the direction. The way the rest of the movie progresses, it is a direction thing and not an actor thing. They make him super suspicious, but then they'll like give him these moments where, oh no, 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 you should have no reason to be suspicious of him. And you've already like planted the seeds yeah. of him being suspicious. I think this is just another addition to it. Yeah. We always talk about like, okay, why did they make this decision to like move things around? Because I'm just thinking about like future chapters. We ran into this already in the past where we had to watch Bobatana Durmstrang already walk into the hall and then all this other stuff happens. They combine two chapters that aren't even like adjacent in the actual yeah. book. Then moving that later, I feel like in the book, they had an actual scene here that further establishes Hermione running off to the library to work on her elfish warfare. Warfare? warfare. Oh elfish my god, warfare. yeah. Guys, Hermione in the background is like <laughs> plotting for all the fucking house elves to take over Hogwarts. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> big spoiler alert, I know. Elfish welfare <laughs> stuff. So that is the reason for kind of like returning to the, mm -hmm. the Great Hall. But perhaps returning just for this scene at this point. They were like, well, we've got to find some other place. But it's so great in the book. So they push it way further. But it does lose a little bit of an intent. Because while it is still early on. This being the first opportunity of Harry having a direct contact with Moody is a lot more impactful. There are reasons for me to like it better in the book versus in the movie and vice mm -hmm. versa. I mean, the, the book is definitely going to be better no matter what. I will say that as far as this scene goes, I don't really think it matters when it falls. The choice to put it later in the storyline of the movie didn't really hurt anything. It's just so far out of order that you're going, huh, that's weird. Yeah. But in the actual storytelling process, if we're not going to be, one, including Hermione's work in the library, including this extra Rita Skeeter information, including this thing between Ron and Draco, if we're not going to include that, I think it's okay where it is. There wasn't really a place to put it earlier yeah. in the movie the way the movie is progressing. Yeah, that's what I'm saying too. Yeah, it's fine. At least they included it. As many disappointments as this movie gives us, because, you know, I have lots of feelings about that, yeah. at least it gives us Malfoy the Amazing Bouncing Ferret. Yeah. Let's talk about points. No surprise here. For me, Trelawney wins this chapter. I'm sure she's not going to win, win it for you. But 
Plus 15 to Trelawney. Because she's actually teaching, she makes some really good connections. I'd rather also give points to Trelawney than take them away from Sprout and Hagrid. I probably wouldn't have taken them away from Sprout, to be honest. Uh, these aren't maybe, like, the best teaching moments. I think that you're right when you said, like, Sprout probably is a little bit more educational in this moment we're just not it seeing it yeah i think this is actually one of the strongest trolley moments that we've seen so far mm -hmm. people usually think of her i think more in the third and the fifth book i like her approach even though it looks like she made a mistake i think that the meaning behind saturn shows even more that maybe that fan theory has a little bit more weight to it so plus 15 to her plus five to mcgonagall for coming in impartially at the end plus five to sprout because she's there I mean, yes, she made people, That's like, right. pop those plant zits, but the Sprout's there. I mean, we can't not give Sprout points. Plus five to Eloise Midgen, because I felt bad for her. She was eager and fortunately had a cat eater nose, but <laughs> it is what it is. And then this is where I struggled a little bit with points because I have to give Moody points for turning Draco into a ferret. So what I'm going to do is when it's presented to the reader as moody moody is getting those points okay so later on when we do realize that it's Barty crouch jr Barty crouch jr will receive or more likely lose those points and at that point he will probably lose a lot i will make it work in the end because i mean everything in this book that goes to moody is probably going to Barty crouch jr in in essence so that i think is how i'm going to approach this so i'm giving moody five points and then I am mm. taking points away from Rita Skeeter, taking five away from her. I kind of had faith that I'd be like, mm, maybe this is someone who might have positive points. She's resetted to zero. Her work was lazy, in my opinion. And then negative 20 to Draco, for obvious reasons. Existing, yeah. yeah. Existing and being a huge dick and not being able to take the shit that he spits. For real. Just to recap, 15 to Trelawney, 5 to Eloise Midgen, Sprout, Moody, and McGuck, negative 5 Rita Skeeter, negative 20 Draco. Woo! That Next was great. Time. Next time we're going to read the invert from... No, what? Uh, Chapter 14, The Unforgivable, unforgivable Curses. Yes. Yeah. We'll see you then. Wow, that's how we're ending this thing? I don't know. Abruptly? <laughs> yeah. I'm feeling very abrupt now. I'm just... Let's finish it with a joke. How about that? As long as you're telling the joke, because you're the funny That's one. That's right. What do you call a cow that masturbates? What do you call a cow that masturbates? Beef stroganoff. Get the fuck out. Basic Snitches is recorded and produced by Adam Bowers and Tara Corkery. Edited by me, Adam Bowers. And published by me, Tara Corkery, and available wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening. Please review and rate us five stars on your app of choice. And be sure to share us to all of your other friends who love Harry Potter and getting drunk. Oh, don't forget to follow us on social media. Sometimes I update that. Basic Snitches on Instagram. Also, we have a Facebook page. And email us anything you want to or specifically answers to our questions on our segments. BasicSnitches at gmail.com. But don't send us dick pics, please. That's nasty. But do send us liquor. Thanks. Yeah. Alohomora. Oh, now people can get into your house. They're on their toe. But they don't matter because now you're a water goblin. Bye. Bye.